Welcome to Remote Control, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking about HBO's hit series, Big Little Lies, with star Nicole Kidman, who just won an Emmy nomination for her role. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Nicole Kidman. Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, glad to be here. So, congratulations on Big Little Lies. Thank you. Were you surprised by the response to it? We were actually. We were really surprised. We were um, hoping that it would um, find an audience, but um, I think now, is it slowly? I mean, the way in which it played out over the period of time and, and built. Um, was really fascinating and incredibly gratifying. How did the response filter out to you? When was the first moment you realized people were really tuning into this? When people started texting me during watching the show and um, then Keith was getting texts from friends asking questions and just loving it and saying that they were moving everything for Sunday night so they could be home ordering pizza to watch the show. Were you watching it in real time as well? Uh, I didn't watch it in real time, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd seen it when it came um, because of being a producer. So I got to see the episodes um, as they were coming in, as Jean-Marc was finishing them, and I would sit down, I'd watch them with Keith. And I kind of, when he started to say, uh, when does the next one get here? Uh, 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 and he, he just said, people are going to be addicted to this. And I was like, Really? And he said, oh, yeah, this is, this is really good. That's when I knew, because he doesn't say that often. He's your tough critic. Yeah, he's my, he's my template. And my sister as well. I show, she always ask her to see things. So, Can you appreciate your own performance? I can always see things I could do better or I want to change, but um, I can appreciate the, um, the way in which... I can just sit back and watch it and let the story unfold and um, and that's when I go, okay, well, I've just got to take myself out of the equation here and just just know that something is, is connecting because people are, are getting it and asking me the right questions. We've talked before about how this came to you and how this, you know, how this project got developed, but I think for people who may not know, mm. why don't you tell the story of how this project all came together? It's a great story because it's basically just because of friendships, you know, which is a fantastic way for something to formulate. Um, and parallels so well the project itself. Yeah. So it was really just my girlfriend, Bruno, who um, had Pacific Standard. They recently had a production company, Pacific Standard, called me and said, Reese and I love this book. Um, this could be the thing we're meant to do together. And I said, okay, I'm reading it. I read it that night. Um, and I said, I happen to be going to Australia. Uh, and Leanne Moriarty is the author and she lives in Sydney. I said, so I'm going to see if I can have coffee with Leanne and see if she'll give us the rights. And I literally, within sort of 48 hours, was sitting down with her at a coffee shop called Fratelli in Darlinghurst, going, Leanne, you've got to let Reese and I and Bruna and Per and I option this book and um, I promise you we'll get it made. How did and you convince said, her? I, that's all I had to say. And she wow. said, okay. I said, 
because um, she's very laid back, Leanne. And um, she said, um, but, you know, I really think you should play Celeste. And I went, done, okay. Uh, and that was it. That was how quick it was. And then I said, but, you know, you need to call your agent and just say that you're um, that you want us to, to have it. And um, and she did that the next day, kept her word, did it, and it was that quick. And within 18 months, then we then we went to David. Um, we then went and pitched it with David. David um, Kelly? Yeah, David E. Kelly. And then um, he wrote two episodes. Reese and I committed full-on to doing it, and that was it. Were you intimidated mm. at all about the prospect of paying Celeste? Um... No, not intimidated. I wanted to find the the truth of it, and I wanted to um, I wanted for people to feel her and understand her, and that's been probably one of the greatest things that that has come out of it is that there's an understanding. So as much as I didn't want there to be that harsh judgment, which can sometimes happen, you know, ultimately that. You know, we don't have control when we're actors playing characters. We have to play the characters as honestly and as true. So I just delved in um, and tried to really find all of the um, motivations and the reasons why, and and her her whole psychology and that it was it was fantastic being able to do that. Um, but it was also disturbing. I didn't realize how disturbing it was going to be to me, Nicole, um, because it it penetrated my personal life because it just the nature of it. Of course, how could it? Not? <clears throat> how did you separate yourself? Well, from some it? people I think can. They can cut off and really have that very strong boundary. I'm I I would come home and luckily I have a husband who's very. Um, he can listen and he's creative too so I was able to sort of express things but also a lot of times I was just by myself I'd come home and have to take a bath and everything after doing to get ready to go into work the next day and I'd feel pretty brutalized at times is there one thing that helped you found your way into this character um I did no not one thing I I it's hard to talk about it because I don't quite have an analysis of it. I think I, I'm still, it still um, vibrates in in me, and so I'm not quite sure how it came through me. If that makes sense, it does. <laughs> but so I, I can I can't decipher, it and I would like to be able, to, and I can go into certain scenes and everything. But the way Jean Marc shoots as well is is so special because you walk in and there's no rehearsal you just do it and we would bring so much of it we just did it and we would do it over and over again but things like the therapy scenes we just did it and he shot it and he would mold it a little bit but basically it was just very um fluid and he allowed things to come flow through us and he would just capture it it would have been such a different project without john mark as a director Yes, yeah, and he wasn't going to do all of them at one point, and and that was, you know, very... uh, We were all really willing that we wanted him because he's an auteur, you know. He's a... he, For his voice to be through the whole thing, for his style and his um, use of music, I mean, 
the series needed that, that to have been disjointed, it wouldn't have worked. And he was able to follow all of our storylines. So Celeste and Perry, he could, he was with us at the beginning all the way through to the end. So he knew. And when things would evolve because of our, the way in which the scenes evolved, um, he, he was able to um, capture them knowing what he'd done before, you know. Um, but I'm glad that he was bold and brave with it, that he didn't censor this, the relationship, and he didn't censor some of the way in which it was playing out. Um, because I think there's an enormous amount of truth, which is probably why people have responded to it. It's very, very truthful in terms of the way in which um, somebody who's in an abusive relationship stays in it and why. And um, it was very important to me, some of the scenes where it's where Celeste says, you know, I'm, I love you, the love, please, and the defense of the love and the desire for, to express how he'd been there through the, the babies being born and being premature and all of the pain and all of the miscarriages and all of these, and he'd stood by her side, you know, so it's incredibly complicated. Um, and her defense of the relationship, her identity that's attached to the relationship and her protection of her children, thinking that what she's doing and the family unit to break it up would be just dreadful, you know, not real. So I, that, those sort of things, are, are, it's brave to tell those. And the fighting back, because as Celeste says, I'm, I'm to blame. I fight, I, I yell, I scream, I throw things, I hit him, you know. That's all complicated. But still... It's so da- it's dangerous, and it needs to be. It's toxic, and um, and that's where Robin, the woman who plays the therapist, was fantastic. Those were some so powerful scenes. Her. Oh, she's a fantastic actress, and the- was right there every step of the way, and so real, and and um, and willing to go there, just you know, just delve into it and do it over and over again to find it. And I love her cadence. How much research did you do yourself that you brought to the table? A lot, yeah. And I also used a lot of feeling, you know. I felt my way into it and through it. But I also watched podcasts and I read a lot and I knew a lot and there's a lot of information available if you want to find it. And, um, you know, but I think a lot of the way in which we approach a role and, and build a role and build a person part of me wants to keep that to myself that's my secret it's my little place in which I I work from if I'm sitting in a in a non-recorded place where I can really expose everything then you can talk about all those things but part of it is just like well this is still very a lot of it's private (laughs) does that make sense oh absolutely (laughs) yeah so I'm that I've I'm I'm, I struggle with those. I struggle with how much you talk about and demystify the work. But you really put yourself out there. I know you got mm. pretty beaten up physically filming mm. some of those scenes. Yeah, I had to. The way he shoots, you know, and the way what what was necessary for the for these things to be seen and believed required that. But I'm used to doing that as an actor. That's what I do, you know, and I'm not good at uh, 
the um, boundaries and finding how not to get hurt and all of those things. That's, that's hard for me. I can do it and I'll watch a stunt double do something, then I'll get in there, but then I throw myself into it, you know. So I'm always um, push-pull in those things. And But I, I would say to Alex, you're not hurting me, you're not hurting me, and he was. But I would say he wasn't because I wanted him to commit. I didn't want him to be pulling back. I didn't. I never showed him anything on my body that maybe bruises or anything because I didn't want him to feel bad and I didn't want him to um, not commit to the truth of what was going on. So that was my own stoic pride and my desire to reach deep, deeply into what we were trying to depict, you know. How much did... (laughs) How much did you rehearse those scenes with Alex? How did you build your chemistry with him? He's just so open. He's a fantastic person to work with because he'll, I would say, little bits and little things and then he would jump on them and, and just respond and a lot of it would just happen sexually, the the scenes and the way in which those um, scenes played out and Jean-Marc would sort of see things and go, I like that or I like that. But we would shoot those scenes over and over again and they would play out differently each time. So they weren't exactly the same, you know, but we knew who we were in terms of the people we were playing. We were those people at, when we were um, in front of the camera. So any nothing was right and nothing was wrong. It was all just, hmm, what will Jean-Marc choose to put in ultimately? Well, that's an interesting question. And a lot of footage ended up on the cutting room floor, as it does, so... Well, that's what's interesting to me because of how Jean-Marc films. Mm. How much of what you saw versus what ended up on the, you know, the final product, mm. what, what did you think of the final product versus what you filmed? I felt like he completely um, g- took the, the what, what, it, what we'd been trying to do and he'd put it on screen. <clears throat> and I was amazed, actually, that, he, that he'd done that. Because it's seven hours, and it wasn't just my work, I thought, because I hadn't seen a lot of the other women's work, um, partly wanting to give them their their space. I'd seen glimpses, and I'd worked with them, obviously, in my scenes with them, but, you know, when I saw the things that Laura was doing and Reese was doing and Shay and Zoe, I was amazed that he'd been able to devote himself to each one of us. <clears throat> That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. I yeah, mean, and the truth of each storyline is... And we're all so different. And it's funny as well. Like, crazy funny. I mean, what Reese and Laura do in it? Come on, that's just... That is hard to do. And they, as I, I said it before, they, they walk on a... They're like a high wire act, those two. And that dialogue and the ability to sort of maneuver through all of that comedically and with drama that's that's tough stuff it's also that that perfect blend of his filmmaking style with i think david e kelly's writing i mean we've talked a little bit about david's writing but david's writing superb you know because he he wrote those therapy scenes i mean obviously leanne wrote the the um the novel and then he took things and then made them augmented them and delve deeper into them. So between the two, Leanne and David, but then for David to add all, there were so many things that he added in terms of funny, I mean, it was just, that's what he does. And he was kind of, he would turn in an episode and that'd be it. It was like, wow, okay. Well, don't need to, this is the first draft and the draft. I mean, when does that happen? 
It's amazing. So, yeah. And when I read like a 10-page therapy scene, I'm thinking, are they going to cut this down? Or I hope they don't because this is how... And that was all thought out. He was like, no, that's the rhythm of the piece, you know. So you have Madeline talking at 100 miles an hour and, and then you have Celeste saying nothing, right? So, but watching and... Well, she I mean, says that's a lot. All th- yes. She yes. says a lot by saying nothing. Absolutely. And, to, and for the same writer to know all of that and be able to do that rhythmically is very special. Speaking of saying nothing, that final scene where it's absolutely silent and we're just learning all of these secrets just by these women exchanging yeah. looks at each other, that's a powerful, that's such powerful storytelling. And then at the end, we're on the beach, still nothing said, but such a strong, you know exactly what we're, where we're at and the, um, I suppose, the allegiance and the way in which we're now, we're bonded and we're... Um, going to protect each other and then the children running on the beach and women looking at their children and that's the future and that's what we have to guide and form and how do we do it we do it together we help each other and you've welcomed Bonnie into the group yeah yeah I mean Celeste's always sort of been nice to Bonnie I mean (laughs) Celeste has got so many things at home that she's a bit um I would hope this comes across, but, you know, Mm -hmm. says very little because she can't say much because if she says anything, a lot will come out. So she's always a bit dreamy at the beginning. Um, Yeah, removed. Sure. But I meant the women (laughs) as a whole have all welcomed Bonnie. Mm -hmm. It's sort of always been on the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely, which, you know, if we do a season two, that will all play out, won't it? So if I saw... Would you be interested in doing a season two? I would because I feel that it's not based on a murder mystery. I, do, I, I would hope that this is not just um, about um, a death and who did it. It's, um, I would hope that the strength of the female characters and their storylines are enough to move into another, uh, that their future is compelling. And um, there, and so I feel that there. If you've created characters that, and this has been some of the most beautiful things people have said, is we didn't want them to go away. We don't want. We didn't want you to leave us. Which is how you feel when you watch a novel. I mean, when you read a novel, you go, "Oh, I don't want it to end." So to have people say that about the series, or, or it was too short, um, is terrific. But I would hope that, um, yeah, that these that these women's stories are strong enough to sustain more viewership, that people would want to watch what happens to them, where their lives go. It isn't over. No. And we certainly set it up for... Mm, And what is the aftermath? So... Someone was watching from the hilltop. (laughs) (laughs) But certainly, I mean, like, you set up a life and, you know, explorations... I would hope the storytelling of of the lives is strong enough. Sure. So... If it isn't, we won't do it. I mean, it's that simple, right? But also for you, from a professional standpoint, you know, what David and Jean-Marc and you and Reese all brought from producing, directing, writing standpoint, that seemed like a pretty powerhouse team. Yeah, and possibly giving more women opportunities in the series. You know, just those things, are, that that's interesting too. That's kind of, 
compelling. That's a great... I, I mean, the ideas that we've already sort of touched on create roles for more women, strong roles, interesting, complex. So that's that's nice to be able to do that. I mean, this was born of not Reese and I um, feeling frustrated that we weren't being offered the things that we... the the complexity you know we weren't being offered roles that we that we wanted you know we were reading things and they just weren't enough so this was born out of not having an opportunity um and we got lucky you know we were able to make it happen and then we could call our friends and go hey you want to be in this you want to be <laughs> and we've got a lot more friends <laughs> but um but you know we have a lot of talented friends and who are not working and that's frustrating. So if we're in a position where we can help that, I would hope that we push through that and push forward with that. Do you think this project has changed that? Do you think this project has opened more doors and given you more opportunity to be able to do that? Definitely. Amazing. I mean, that it, we pinch ourselves a bit. I do. I'm like, wow, because I've also struggled to get things made. Like, really, Rabbit Hole was so hard to get made. You know, Family Fang was hard to get made. We've got I'm Sitting on Other Stories that are hard to get made. Um, so, but it's the nature, it's the artistic path, isn't it? It's not, not easy. I've, I've not, I've never been given anything in my life that was easy. Do you find that My mum reminds me of that. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, I've, are... had it, I've had it pretty good, mum. She goes, yes, but everything you've had to, you've had to work hard for. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You've always had to work hard. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> so continue to work hard, Nicole. <laughs> but she, they did. Both my parents gave me a really strong work ethic. I take none of it for granted. And I always feel very fortunate to even be working. Um, so, uh, and I, you know, I still have that, that thing of I'll never keep people waiting. I always, you know, the professional part of me that was sort of really drummed into me since I was 14. I mean, I've been working since I was 14. I sat on an Apple box on a set, you know, 14 hours a day and just was, it was a privilege to be there. <laughs> I still have that little girl thing of, wow, I'm here. You That's know. amazing to me that you still have that. I mean, you're oh, having yeah. an incredible year. Yeah, but... Um, I've had not so incredible years too, so I I know the contrast and I know the what it takes. And I love actors, and it breaks my heart when I see um, actors not getting the chances they deserve. And um, you know, it literally makes me cry at times because I see these people that commit their lives to this artistic journey, and and you know, sometimes don't get what they what they want. So. If I'm in a position to create a few more roles and opportunities and places for people to shine, great. What do you look for in a role? What makes you want to take on a project? Uh, I'm, I'm so uh, strange in what, what, what it is. It can literally be my friend is making a movie and I want to do them a favour. <laughs> um, it can be it is a so deeply embedded in me that no matter what I have to play this role I will I will crawl over hot coals I will do whatever's needed to help you get this made um, it will be that it's cut to my heart and um, it just flows out of me it will be me being dragged like a donkey who's got this you know 
heels, uh, hoofs in the in the in the sand, going no, 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 no. But knowing I have to be there, so I need someone to pull me there. Many different things, but I love directors. I love working with directors. I love um, working with actors and making scenes that you thought were impossible suddenly possible. Um, I love the craft. I've committed my life to it. I better love it. <laughs> I've I've given a lot to it. You know, my family's given a lot to it. Um, but it is my purpose. It is what I do in this world, and it's my contribution. And sometimes I screw up with it, and it's not right. And sometimes it's distorted, and sometimes it's slightly corrupted, and sometimes it's very very pure. I aim to keep it as pure as pure as I can. <clears throat> but I'm very human and deeply sensitive are you finding more projects in tv right now or versus film or do you just go where the find a project you enjoy just see them as stories i don't see the medium i don't kind of get uh and i'm i don't get caught in the minutiae of it if that makes sense (laughs) so and it's probably why i like to walk on stage or go into a a film set or a TV set or a table reading or radio play or read a book on tape, whatever it is, there's something there that I go, oh, I'm compelled to do this. Mm. I've heard great things about Top of the Lake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jane's my friend Mm -hmm. since I was 14. And um, and she wrote me a role. I mean, Lizzie Moss is the lead, obviously, um, and Gwendolyn. So for me, it was... um, I got to come in and play a character, and it's a, it's a character, and I'm a character actress. And so she gave me that. And, and I also got to then go and have lunch and dinner with her and go hiking and talk about philosophy and share novels and do all of the things that you do on the side when you're all working together, which is, you know, that gives me a lot of joy. It's fantastic. Being around her gives me a lot of joy. But, you know, working with Yoko's gave me a lot of joy. So... And Sophia, you know, seeing Sophia get a movie. I mean, Sophia is the daughter of of a legend and she still has carved her own path and she's a woman in this industry and they're still statistically... Come on, what are the statistics? Do you know them exactly? Yeah, it's no. tough. See, yeah. and that's something I want to be able to quote. I think, I mean, in t- I think it was six percent of big budget films are, are women. Six percent. It's shocking. So I'm not quite sure in the whole. Yeah, it's it's so wrong mm-hmm. so wrong so you know I'll be proud to stand there with Sophia on that red carpet and Jane Campion <clears throat> no congratulations <laughs> no I think it's important I think it's important to be doing what you're doing and helping these projects get made because I think that makes all the difference I mean I still yeah, think it's back a, it's, it's a business you know this, this place is a business and so to stay artistic in it is it's hard it's tricky um, but it's necessary, and at times you've got to have that business mind or you've got to have people around you that have that so that you can stay artistic, you know. And But I, I learned very early that um, this is, you know, that's not my forte is the business side of it. Occasionally I can step in and produce something and, and deal with that business side of it, but it's still very, very pure how I approach it. And that's always when it works for me, is the the purer I stay and the more um, direct in terms of what 
what we want to achieve, which is basically tell great stories, reach people, affect people, be it make them feel joy or cry or laugh, or but still affect them. Um, that's, you know, that that's the purest form of it, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I can't think of I more. never shut up. No, no, I think it's perfect. <laughs> well, I can't think of a more perfect note to end on. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Good to see you, and I'll speak with you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking about Black Mirror with series creator Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. See you next time.